Hello, everyone. My name is Stephanie Gostin-Paul. I am the host of the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. Take Nothing When I Die is all about amplifying and celebrating the wisdom and genius of people who've managed multiple careers in one lifetime. Welcome to the Take Nothing When I Die podcast. This is Stephanie Ghost and Paul, and you are listening to Lucky Number 13. Yes, we made it to episode 13. We're pushing out episodes every week this month, so lucky for you, you get double the love from Take Nothing When I Die. Now, today's episode is quite literally bars on bars on bars from a former rapper and musician turned fatherhood guru. Y'all might know him. His name is Glenn Henry, aka Pull Out Game Trash, aka Belief in Fatherhood. But before I get to everything he has to say, I do have a very special request. I would love if you could send your favorite Take Nothing When I Die episode to five people, five loved ones, five friends, five frenemies, perhaps. And these could be people who really need to hear the information the episode contains. Maybe the episode outlines something you've experienced yourself. Maybe the episode will help them get to know more about you. Or y'all can connect with the episode or connect over the episode. Or maybe the episode might just be the relief that they need right now. Whatever it is, if it's inspirational for you, motivational, maybe a little tough love, a specific framework or specific to do, something that could help someone else, please do it. You got it? Does that make sense? Let me know once you send it to five folks. Tag us on Twitter at TNWID or Instagram, all spelled out, take nothing when I die. Or just send us a quick message that you did that. Thank you so very much. All right, let's get into today's guest. Not only does he share deeply, he also gets vulnerable in this episode about his own journey and his path to where he is today. What I appreciate so much about Glenn is that he just makes it plain, right? We all know folks who kind of beat around the bush. They're very vague. They're not very specific about what's going on. I would not say that's Glenn style. He is very straightforward, even on things that may be hard for him, things that he's going through right now, where he's messed up, or even talking about the kind of father that he wants to be. Now, I gotta make sure I get you his particulars. Glenn Henry is the visionary behind the brand Belief in Fatherhood. His mission statement says that fathers can make mistakes that traumatize and wound their children. He was reluctant to become a father because he was afraid of this outcome. Once he was mentored by a good father, all that changed. Everyone deserves to see what being a good father looks like. He created belief in fatherhood to be the proof of that. And that is to equip fathers, bring hope to mothers, and inspire children. His hope is that real stories of fatherhood will bring connection and healing to people everywhere. Now, if you follow him, you know that his videos cover fatherhood, marriage, and life. He is YouTube's 2018 Creator for Change Award recipient, and he's been featured on the Dad 2.0 Summit, TED, and Plywood People stages. You may have also heard or seen him on the podcast he hosts with his wife, Yvette, called How Married Are You? Please, please, please enjoy my interview with Glenn. 
All right, y'all, we got Glenn Henry from Belief in Fatherhood in the building. I'm so excited to have him on as a guest. Welcome to the Take Nothing When I Die podcast, Glenn. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate you. We're so excited to hear from you. I know you have so much to share with this audience, but as you know, when we first start the podcast, I ask everybody where you're at um, in whatever way that means to you, and then tell us how you're doing the for real, for real version. Okay, yeah. Uh, I am in California, and I am at work. And when I say I'm at work, I mean I'm, I'm always thinking about work. Uh, it's just kind of the season I'm in right now. And uh, yeah, the real for real, I, I'm very focused at the moment. I'm focused, um, but I am open to some distractions. And, and which distractions? Are there, are there ones that they slide through either way, anyway, anytime you're working? Yeah, uh, you know, some, some distractions are good distractions. Like I, I have to go to the gym and that is a distraction, but it's a good distraction. And then there's times where, you know, the kids come in and, and they are always open to distract me. Uh, sometimes just in the place of entrepreneurship, like I feel like we can kind of get overwhelmed with a lot of, you know, attention from the kids and, you know, demands from the family. But uh, it's, it's really important that we just go ahead and, you know, make that a priority. I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing the real. Um, oh, we'll, we'll get right into the question. So on this show, we interview living ancestors. We talk to folks who've managed multiple careers in one lifetime. And so no matter what roles you have, some of the underlying skills or there have been some themes and what you've done and what you're putting out into the world. So as you, wherever you've lived, if you're going to conferences, um, in different places and spaces, I'm sure the question comes up all the time, what do you do? So on a scale of one to 10, how much do you dislike the question, what do you do? Um, that's going to be a 10 for me. <laughs> the, 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 the question is very limiting. You know, it is, what is the one thing that you do? You know what I mean? And the one thing I do is, is I live, you know, but living is an absence of work. It is an absence of love. It is an absence of feeling. It is an absence of leadership. And so to ask me what I do is almost an insult. I, I, I could probably tell you more what I don't do. Yeah, that makes sense. What would you rather be asked? And then go ahead and answer that question for us. The question I'd like to be asked is, what problem are you solving? And I would say that the, the answer to that question is fatherlessness. That's the problem I'm solving. And then what are the ways you're solving that problem? By, by exposing everything that, that goes into fatherhood, you know, by uh, focusing my attention on, on men who want to be fathers but don't know how by allowing other people to see the inside of a father's mind, which I don't think our fathers are able to communicate and to tell real stories about fatherhood. That, that resonates so much. And it's reflected in your viewership and the folks who follow your family. I'm not a father myself, but I have a partner who wants to be a father. And so we watch together and see the lessons that you learn. It's just so much great information for us. So thank you. Thank you for being that example. Well, I appreciate you for, um, you know, just even paying attention. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of things fighting for your attention and I'm glad to have it. Yes. Yes. So I want to hit you with a question that you've probably asked your chocolate babies. It's a question we ask children a lot. And then after a while, we kind of stop asking this question, but I want to ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Wow. 
when I grow up, I want to be at peace. I think a lot of my time is trying to solve problems. And my frustration is that work is not peaceful. It's, it's a fight. You know, it's a fight knowing that people who look like me don't understand the value of their position, that they don't have a voice, that they are undervalued. And that, that causes chaos in my heart. And so I think that when I grow up, I'd like to, I'd like to still care, but I'd like to be at peace with, you know, everything, which I don't actually know if I'm ever going to have. Yeah. I was going to ask, I was like, is that possible? Do you see that as possible in your lifetime? Because it sounds like you'll be at peace when the problem goes away, maybe? Yeah. And I don't think that problem's going to go away. And that's, that's the sad reality is that it's more likely that this problem, you know, it won't go away, but at the same time, it will it'll just be more attention toward it. But I feel like I'm, in, in most cases, I am a uh, innovator. You know what I mean? Like this space doesn't have a figure. Mm-hmm. You know, we have people who, who want to help fathers. We have people who want to do therapy for black men. We have people who know their value, but I don't think it's anyone who's like focused on training men to become fathers, mm-hmm. you know? And so, that's kind of scary, you know what I mean? Because I feel like I don't want to be the leader in this space. But who else is going to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you could get to a place where you're at peace with your contribution? Yes, but I think that comes with maturity, and I'm not that mature yet. <laughs> <laughs> you said I'm not there yet. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm still very like sensitive you know, to the issues. I still have a lot of conversations to have with my parents before I can truly be at peace. You know what I mean? And recognizing that is, you know, mature in itself, but at the same time, it's kind of like, all right, recognizing is just, you know, realizing that you have some issues going on in the mirror. The real thing is to actually solve the problem. And that's, that's just not where I'm at, yet, you know? Um, so to, to search my own heart and solve the problem in myself is important. And then to do it for other people is going to be most important. Thank you for sharing that. Um, when yeah. you think about what's led you to this point, so I know you're really focused on fathers and men becoming fathers. You're focused on your own work as a father. You're focused on your work with your parents, your father. All of the roles that you've played up until this point, whether they were formal, like ones you got paid for, or ones that you took on, or ones that just came innately to you, has there been a common thread throughout those? And as you think about that, um, kind of take us through the process of packaging all that you've accomplished up to this point. I talk with a lot of people who are like, I've done a lot of things, and like you, what do they do? They live but they have to explain that to other people and kind of package it in a way that makes sense to other people. So can you talk to us, what was the process or what has the process been like of packaging what it is you do so that other people can understand or, or for whatever reason? Yeah. Like I think I'm over like wanting other people to understand me, you know, and get it. It, It's hard because you, you do so much life and time with other people that it's important for them to understand, you know, your position, and why you're not spending as much time at birthday parties or at, you know, whatever. I, I can't, I don't have the luxury to necessarily care about how people perceive what I do. You know what I mean? But I do take the time to explain it. And so that's kind of the delicate point about like, you know, if, if you're in law school, people leave you alone. 
they don't expect anything from you. You know what I'm saying? Because law school is, is very noble. And it's like, man, we all know this is hard. We're going to do everything we can to support you. Or if I was in the military and I had to go to fight for our country, then that would be respected. But if you're an entrepreneur, it's kind of like, when are you going to take a day off? When are you going to take a month off? You, you really just, you, you can set your own schedule. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like, yeah, but nah, <laughs> you know? So um, it's, it's very difficult. It's, it's very a delicate thing. So I, I try to explain it to people, but I just realize that no one's going to get it. No one's going to understand my cause and my purpose until they're like the problem I have becomes theirs. And, and I hope that it isn't, it never becomes their problem. I've seen um, on your Patreon, in your Patreon community, you've been sharing a little bit of, around protecting your genius in building a brand and trying to put this out into the world. Has that packaging process been the same or been different from, from the answer that you just shared? Yeah, I think, I think protect your genius, it's like the slogan for, yeah, it, you're not supposed to understand. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get that you don't get it. And that's just, that is just the truth of the matter. Like, that's fine. Protect Your Genius is kind of like, in time, they will understand and un in time, they will get it. But for now, it's okay that they don't because it's yours. You know, um, I think that as soon as we get a great idea, our excitement for the idea is sharing it with someone. Our frustration is that these people would not be as excited as we are, but they don't own it. So why should they be excited? My, my heart is that, you know, I would be able to manage not only my time, but my talent, you know what I mean? And it would, they would, I would do well at both of them. But when you're new at something, you know, like Uzi, right? He's learning how to crawl, right? So he's doing great. But when he first started, he would hate tummy time, you know what I mean? And he'd be terrible at it. And then, you know, we'd be like going to sleep at night and then he pokes his head up out of the bassinet and that's all he could do was lift his neck. You know what I mean? And so you just get better and better at it over time and eventually he'll be able to walk and balance. But right now, early stages, it's supposed to be tough and it's supposed to be something that people don't understand. And I have to be okay with that. Now, I also have to be okay with my wife not being okay with that <laughs> because... Because that is like a reality that I live in. You know what I'm saying? Like she loves to do life with other people and enjoy company. Not that I don't, but it's not as much of a stressor to me. If I can't make the party, I just can't make the party. And she's like, well, will they still know that we love them? And I'm kind of like, well, if they don't think we love them because we don't go to the party, I don't even want to be in a relationship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, you know, so the, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's like a bit. And then my business is also my family. There's another layer of complexity to what's happening because it's like my wife can also feel like a prop if I don't include her into every aspect of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like, hey, that's weird. You know what I mean? Like it's just a lot of weirdness happening, but it's all good stuff. Mm -hmm. It's growth. So what do you think it is about you that separates you from most people? Because like you said, everybody can't come along. Sometimes you're saying no to birthday parties and taking time for yourself or developing your, your brand and your genius. What have you cultivated or developed 
Or what is it about you that allows you to do all these things? Because I hear from folks and they're like, they listen to the podcast. They're like, this is great for y'all. Like there's, there's a special gene you have that you either inherited or a skill that you learned, but like, it's not for me. I want to be there, but I can't, right? Or, or I just don't want to for whatever reason. So what do you think it is about you that separates you um, from most folks? Well, it's actually a curse. My mommy issues, right? <laughs> um, my mommy issues work to my benefit when it comes to being an entrepreneur because like I love community and I love people. Like I love, love, love people. But if my best friend that I've known for 20 years decides that he's moving to Alaska and I may never see him again, I'd be like, man, you know, that is, man, I'm going to miss you, but peace. You know what I'm saying? Like I would not gripe over that. Like my only, the only person I cling to besides Jesus is my wife. You know what I'm saying? Like that is the person I cling to. That's the woman I'm, I'm like, yo, I cannot live without us being cohesive. Like I'm going to have a rough time if we're not. But anybody else is kind of like, well, sometimes you got to move to Alaska. Like I get it. You know what I mean? Like I'm just not tripping. And that is so annoying because the nonchalantness, like that is frustrating for people because they think I don't care. And that's just not true. The thing is, I have such a like tumultuous relationship with the, my mother, the person I was supposed to like have this super like loving relationship with. And then my dad, you know, wasn't always emotionally available. And, you know, my, maybe just now be maybe becoming emotionally available. I don't really have a huge attachment to a lot of people. Hmm. And so my attachment is like for what I am able to create in my mind and manifest into reality, how I string stories together, the rhymes I write. Like I like love creating, like it's a part of who I am. And I didn't realize how bad it was until like, you know, it was like Christmas and my wife was like, let's go over to, you know, these people's house. And, you know, and I was like, man, I kind of just want to write, you know what I'm saying? And she's like, no, it's Christmas. I'm like, well, but yeah, but like, I have a really good idea and I want to get it down. And my like way that I could just be absent from like that type of fellowship is just ridiculous. And I admit that it is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> bro, go with the homies. Like, do not forsake the fellowship. Be around people. But sometimes for me, it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just made this. And I feel like God is always dripping creativity in me. And so, you know how like you go to the doctors, you get an IV, right? And it's always dripping. And I feel like that's a constant drip that will not stop dripping. Oh, that's powerful. That's so powerful. It's connecting for me. There was a, I saw on um, Instagram live something and you were talking about leaving this life empty. And um, I was really struck by that. When you think about that sentiment, how do you balance, you know, the I don't want to go out, it's Christmas, I need to fellowship versus like connecting to the drip and letting it flow through you. Cause you, ha- you do have a purpose. You're, you're put on this earth for a reason. There's a there's message and stories for you to get out there. How do you just handle leaving life empty while still doing life? That's a really good segue into the importance of relationship. My wife literally is the opposite of me. She does not need to do anything creative. She likes watching Grey's Anatomy or whatever shows on, you know what I'm saying, kicking it and like doing that. 
But while she's watching Grey's Anatomy, I'm paying attention to how she's watching it and realizing the points in the story that are capturing her and trying to create content like that. So I'm studying like her. And so if, if it wasn't for her, I literally wouldn't have any friends. But she helps me be a part of that community because like I get energy off of people. Now you got to fight to get me to the party. But once I'm in the party, I'm like, all right, you in it. You know, what I'm, <laughs> I'm in there. You know what I mean? Like who's got the, you know, who got the eggnog, right? So I'm like really trying to enjoy the, all the festivities once I'm there, but it's a, it's a rough thing to get me there because all of the little awkward things that may happen during the thing. So the awkward conversations or the questions about how I'm doing or, you know, the judgment for me working or the judgment for me exposing my life on camera or the judgment for me not being as successful as a musician that I was or all the little things or my weight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to have to talk about any of that. I just want to talk about the things that I'm interested in. And so it's, it's a very selfish place I'm in right now. But I feel like this season of, of my life needs this type of energy because I'm the only person that can manifest these things. And I'm the only one that's responsible for, you know, my family and my employees. Uh, income. So I have to be that guy right now. And it's really weird. I'm not actually attracted to the man I am, but I am attracted to the man I'm becoming. Mm. But this is, a, this is like the baby fro stage when you want to grow out your hair. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's just rough right now. So you're just patching it through. You're just patching it through. But I'm, I'm loving, I love being in it, but I'm just like, man, this guy I'm, I'm becoming. You know why it's so frustrating? Because people don't know this guy yet. Right. Yeah. So when I say something that is off putting, they're like, wait a minute. And I'm like, well, that's it. It, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I can't say it better for you. You just have to understand that this is what it is. And because I don't like being that confrontational to everyone. But in order for us to get to this to this next place, to this next season, to see the, the problems I, I want solved, solved, somebody's got to be considered this guy. Because I know that also. I'm really good at praying for people and caring for people and shepherding them through these seasons. I would rather be the guy doing it instead of the guy, like it being done to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like this version of you, it's a new version or is this more of the real you? Like what, who, who is this version? Uh, it's definitely new. I've been telling like Yvette, it's about to get like way weird and worse. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you think I was a problem before, like, I, I told her, I was like, in order to be who, I, who we need to be and to make the money we want to make and to serve to solve the problem we want to solve and to be even, be even able to, like, go on a vacation for mental health and rest, I am going to have to become a machine. If I want to win fatherhood and I want to be the best father I can be, I can't eat the same things I've been eating for the past 10 years. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't indulge in that liberty with you right now because I have to protect who I'm becoming. And it's weird because it's like, she's like, dude, it's just freaking donuts. I was like, but you gotta understand, I don't have a lot of self-control with that. So I know myself and I know that I can't just eat one donut. Like I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a top off half the box. So don't like, I can't have it around me. I can't indulge. And so knowing myself, learning myself, it, maybe it's always been in me, but like somebody has to die in order for me to become, it's like a, it's like a shell is coming off, you know? So maybe it was always in me, just lie dormant. If I don't do everything I know I'm supposed to do, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, it's yeah. all going to be over. Like, th there has to be someone who is 
willing to do whatever it takes to make this happen. I feel that. I think you're spot on. I think what, what it sounds like to me and what resonates with me is it's the person who you know yourself to be, but there's ways that you've either conditioned, been conditioned or that you've practiced or that are more convenient or that are, you know, comfortable <laughs> that you've slipped into. And what you're doing is getting back to that disciplined person focused on the purpose. And before it really was no purpose. There wasn't anything else pushing me. I just was kind of like, y'all do that. Or yeah, that's cool. Or, no direction, no map. Just, just, just rolling with the punches, just trying to enjoy life with no way to make money, just hopping on other people's thing. And I, I think that's okay if you have a good leader, but I didn't have good leaders. Like I was just doing something because someone told me to and not, not willing to better myself. And so I think the coward inside of me is leaving, you know, but now I'm like, I found something that I'm willing to die for. Is there a moment or a shift that happened from kind of being aimless? Um, I know a lot of people say it's like you're on autopilot, right? You just kind of going from one yeah. thing to the other. What, what was the shift for you if there was one moment? You, you know, it was that moment, you know, when my wife asked me, what was my five-year plan? And I was like, you know, whatever God has for me. And she was like, I trust you with my family and my future. You don't have five years planned out. When she rolled over and went to sleep, like, I realized that, like, I don't have an answer for this. And she's right. Why am I asking her to follow me with no direction? Like, what kind of a man am I that I don't have a plan? <laughs> like, that literally makes no sense. Everybody, every sports team knows that the goal is to get the freaking ball into the hoop or ball into the goal or whatever it is. You know the plan. You know the goal, at least. But I didn't even have a, a goal. Like, I was literally just whatever. When, when you got kids on the line in the future, and it's real, and you're married, you know, how long we were married then? Probably maybe four or five years. It's different. Like, that question don't resonate the same. Nah, nah, that, that's not good enough. And so, yeah, that question really changed everything for me because I, I had to, like, panic. And I'm like, yo, I don't know what my plan is. And I had to figure out a plan. And I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start putting content out about fatherhood and I'm going to try to get back, you know, do the music thing because that's really good. And, you know, I'll maybe write for someone, you know, ghostwrite, and then I'll, I'll do some speaking gigs and, and maybe write a book. And like literally two years later, everything that I said I wanted to do had happened, but it was a 15 year plan. I'm realizing that, man, all, if, if that's all it took was a plan, then like I need to fantasize about the plan. I need to be a little bit more focused with the plan because if, if this was all selfish ambition and I can say I want to speak and I want to write rhymes with people and I want to speak about fatherhood because I know I have some insight into it. What happens when I say my plan is to, you know, eradicate fatherlessness? What happens if my plan is I want to give black men the tools or fathers the tools to be amazing fathers? And that starts with being a husband. That starts with who you choose to date. That starts with how you manage your money. You know, that starts with how you eat, what you consume media wise. And I haven't always been this way. I hear you. I hear you. We're at the last question. Well, maybe. I don't know. In each interview, I say it's the last one, and then maybe sometimes I ask like three more. Um, but there is this Les Brown quote, and I will read it to you and then ask you a question. And this okay. uh, Les Brown is a coach, and he says, the graveyard is the richest place on earth because it is here 
that you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take that first step, keep with the problem, or determined to carry out their dream. So to you, what is the most expensive piece of wisdom, advice, or thing that you don't want to take with you to the grave? And it can be expensive in, in what you pay for it or the lesson that you learn, expensive in whatever way makes sense for you. But what's the most expensive piece, thing, advice, wisdom you don't want to take with you to the grave? The most expensive lesson. There's so many. And you know what's crazy? It's like I could say one now, but I know as I mature, it's going to be different. You know what I mean? And so, you know, at this point, there's so many different things. I would go back to really not waiting for someone to give you permission before you activate um, yourself. I, I wrote this song on my last album that came out. It's called Activate. The question in the song is, what is it going to take to activate you, little boy? Right? So I'm talking to myself and saying, like, what is going to have to happen to you? And this, this is probably another thing that was a part of the, not the evolution, not evolution of, you know, my mindset, but like, what is going to have to happen to you to make you start taking this thing seriously? Like, what is going to happen? Are you going to have to get sick? Is someone going to have to die? You know what I mean? Like, what is it going to take to help you understand how valuable your time is and how much you don't, you, you cannot play? And uh, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, you don't ask for permission. You activate yourself yourself. Ooh, that felt expensive. That felt real expensive. So I'm, I feel yeah. blessed and lucky. And it's also, <laughs> you just perfectly summed up, take that to when I die. It's all about not waiting to that mythical someday. Like you said, death diagnosis or like, you know, old age on your deathbed to start getting activated and living out your legacy. So I appreciate you. Before we get to where folks can find you online and all that stuff, anything else you want to share? Anything else that is being activated or that you're, you're cooking up that you want folks to know about before we uh, let folks know where they can find you? Hey, y'all, it's Stephanie chiming in. Wanted to pause here for a quick post note. What you're about to hear in this interview is a spoiler alert from Glenn aka Believe. If you're not already following him and his family, go ahead and do so over on YouTube or Patreon. All you got to do is just search for Belief in Fatherhood. It's spelled B-E-L-E-A-F. So if you want to catch up on the episodes and you don't want to hear a spoiler alert about his family, then do not listen to this next part. You can just fast forward about 10, 20 seconds and you should be okay. At the time when we recorded this, there was a huge reveal that the Henry family was just about to release into the world. And now, of course, it has happened. But at the time, I was even surprised by the news. So for context, as you listen, Theo, who Glenn will mention in just a second, is one of his four children. And Theo and his family were facing a major decision. And if you continue to listen, Glenn is about to ruin that surprise. So it's okay to keep listening. If you want to hear that reveal, press play. If not, fast forward about 20, 30 seconds so that you don't have to ruin the surprise. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm journeying through fatherhood. 
one of the big things we just put out, where we're about to put out a video. I don't know if you saw on Patreon, but Theo cut his hair. I Oh, he actually did cut it. We, we actually did cut it, and we're going to announce it. Yeah, we're going to announce it today. Oh and so, so since he's cut it, he's been, and this is between me and you. When is this podcast coming out? Probably like three months, two or three months. Oh, oh goodness. Okay, so this is going to be long. Okay, so basically, he, he cannot stop looking at himself in the mirror. <laughs> you know, he cannot stop putting on hats and trying on his helmet and... He's just so much more comfortable. And I didn't realize how much I was projecting, mm. you know, and you think you're doing a great job as a parent, but it's like, the question I asked myself in today's video is like, what happens when the things you love about your kids encroaches on the joy that they potentially having or the way that them, the way that they love themselves, you know what I'm saying? And so I just think, man, like, I think the, the best thing I know is that I don't know, you know, um, and so always be learning from every single area and be okay with blowing it. Like, it's okay that I blew it. I completely blew it with the L, you know? And I'm not saying that Uzi won't have dreads because he probably will. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm saying that it's okay to go through that process and be okay with that. So, yeah, journey through fatherhood. And then uh, we're about to do a full-on rebrand uh, for Belief in Fatherhood. So everything is going to change and it's part of the new mindset. I now have like guiding principles and, you know, a mission statement and a brand story and the whole thing. And it was something that was very necessary. And so we did something really big and uh, I'm excited to launch it uh, next month. So, uh, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Very cool. Well, thank you again. Uh, we're so excited that you came on the episode. Let folks know where they can check out you and your family and where they can see this new branding. Like, where can we see this content? Yes, I'm going to start. Uh, putting it out on Patreon. I actually need some help from Patreon supporters. So that's coming out uh, this month. I'm going to start releasing that after Theo's haircut stuff. And then I'm going to launch the new brand stuff in March. And uh, yeah, just follow us on, um, you know, YouTube, Belief in Fatherhood, B-E-L-E-A-F, Belief in Fatherhood. You know, watch a video, go down the rabbit hole and stay in the rabbit hole. It's easy to do so, y'all. It happened to me the first time and I've been hooked ever since. So thank you. Thank you to you. Thank you to your family. Uh, we appreciate you and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. Now, don't say I didn't tell y'all. This might actually be the episode you might want to send to a friend. So I almost cheated and I was going to give three take nothing when I die takeaways, but I really pushed and forced myself to land on this one. Glenn said, what is going to have to happen to you to make you start taking this thing seriously? Like, what is it going to take to help you understand how valuable your time is and how much you cannot play? You don't need permission. You don't have to wait till somebody dies. You have to wait till you get sick or get a diagnosis or even that mythical quote unquote someday. We've talked about it so much on this podcast. Someday is not a date on the calendar and it never comes. Glenn charges us to activate ourselves. If you've been waiting for something, a sign, permission, a big red flag, this is it. It's your time. Do the thing, be the thing, go for the thing. And that's really it. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. 
it is my time to wrap it up y'all make sure you pull up on the instagram and twitter applications to find us we are building community on social media and also through our patreon community this is where an exclusive group of folks who are living ancestors are asking questions are offering wisdom and have access to more information from me whether that's videos prompts behind the scenes things also you want to be sure to check out the show notes go to my site www.stephanieghostin that's g-h-o-s-t-o-n.com backslash t-n-w-i-d and you will find all the information about each and every guest was mentioned in their episode and if you want to donate you want to spread a little coin my cash app paypal and venmo links are on the show notes page so it's time for me to sign off y'all as your host again this is stephanie ghost and paul this is the take nothing when i die podcast and i'm leaving you with your episodic reminder you are a living ancestor take care of yourself and take care of each other